Welcome to Rugged Theology, where we talk about church planting, theology, and drink coffee. Welcome to Rugged Theology. I am Adam Diamond, your host, and this is the last episode of our Tulip series. So, spoiler Woo-hoo. alert, we're talking about P is for Perseverance of the Saints, or Preservation of the Saints. Perseverance. Uh, I'm going to go with Preservation, Bob, so... Okay. <laughs> for 500. <laughs> so today I have with me uh, one of our interns, Curtis Rogers. How's it going? That is your cue to say hi, Curtis. <laughs> Why would he say hi, Curtis? He is Curtis. <laughs> hi, Curtis. Uh, and also Stephen Dow. Hey. So as you guys can tell, um, we like to have a bit of fun here in the podcast room, and that's fine. Um, I think we've had a lot of fun with the series. I've enjoyed it, and I've got a few comments from people who have enjoyed it as well. Uh, and if you can tell this week, I am feeling much better. Uh, Congratulations. I know. My voice isn't like cracking. I'm not stopping like every five seconds to cough. Uh, which would which would have been edited edited out of the last podcast, but uh, it was very frustrating. So nobody noticed that you were in fact coughing on the last podcast because you edited them all out. So this entire reference makes no sense to anybody listening. Well, right? I, I like to think my voice sounds better at least. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Or maybe it just always sounds that bad. I don't know. <laughs> so today, guys, we are talking about the yeah preservation or perseverance of the saints uh this is the last thing a tulip and again all these if you're listening all these um beliefs about salvation soteriology they all go together um they all work together you have you know t is for total depravity that we are totally depraved and that we cannot save ourselves and we need god to save us we have unconditional election where we do nothing to merit god's salvation of us and he chooses us um based on nothing based on no right or wrong doing our, of our own all to his glory and through his free grace um then we have limited atonement that you know jesus set out to redeem those who you know he specifically specifically had called to himself um and then we have irresistible grace that your choice you know as you heard between hot chocolate or diarrhea you're going to choose hot chocolate or, or chocolate milk curtis is like what in the world are you talking about uh, but that's your choice between God and sin. And when your lo- heart is made alive to God and who he is, it's not much of a choice. And now we clue it all up today with, um, you know, once saved, always saved, which I know Steve is not yeah. a fan of. <laughs> you, can you see the little blood vessel popping up over my eyebrow there? Yeah, I see the twitch there. Okay. <laughs> Very all right, guys. So hurry, uh, let's just break this down now. What is the, the perseverance or preservation of the saints? Like, What is this idea in regards to salvation? Well, I think first and foremost, just to deal with the thing that you just teased there, it isn't technically once saved, always saved. I mean, it does mean that if you are in fact saved, you are in fact saved, mm-hmm. which means that it's not something that you do that 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 started it. It's not you that preserves it. Um, the problem with the once saved, always saved thing is it's usually taken from a context where we imagine that we were we are saved by the fact that we follow the rules of salvation and god uh, and our rule keeping somehow saves us which is not the calvinist position in any way shape or form or or it's the opposite where you think that because you professed to be a christian or said a prayer at one point in time then whatever you do right. doesn't matter well and, and and if you say it that way like 
if you say that it's not uh, that uh, you can be you're saved regardless of what you do that you know you can that means that you can keep doing it and of course that was actually the problem that Pelagius had with some people's views on uh, mm-hmm. what Augustine was teaching namely that we're saved by faith alone through grace alone apart from works of the law as scripture would tell you all right so we don't like the word or the phrase once saved always saved because no. it, it it leads to too many you know, uh, mis- misconceptions right uh, so what do we like uh, well, I also was going to say that I don't. Uh, I disagree slightly with my brother uh, uh, Curtis here. Oh, we got some real drama. No, <laughs> I don't actually like uh, perseverance of the saints because oftentimes we assume then that again that the perseverance is something that we do, right? Which is not actually what the Calvinist position is. We are preserved throughout our lives by God who gave us the grace to be saved. He who began a good work in us will carry it through to the completion of the day of Christ Jesus our Lord. Mm-hmm. I read that in a book somewhere. Yep, and uh, you know, Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. Yes. Right? He's the one who's created. He's the one who will see it through to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the idea is that you're preserved by the Father. You can persevere because the Father is preserving you. Right. Right? So, I mean, those two go hand in hand, really. Um, but yeah, it's not just a you're not just preserving, you're not just like fighting the good fight or running the good race. And because then that sets you up as well, I think, for your good efforts. And that, you know, it, it relies on you when the only fact that you can preserve or persevere, sorry, is because God is the one preserving you. He's the one holding your salvation in his hand. Exactly. All right. So, I, I mean, I think that's a great um, theology or doctrine because, you know, coming from a denomination where. That wasn't the case, and there are a lot of people who believe you can lose your salvation. Right. Right? Um, and this is just from my own personal experience, but I've seen, you know, multiple people come up to the altar <laughs> multiple times. Yeah. And you know, everyone's congratulating, they're being congratulated like every single time, and I'm like, how long can this go on? Or there's times I'm thinking, either you, you almost have a sense, I, I mean, it could be a gift of discernment, I don't know, uh, but where there's like, I don't think that was genuine because it just continues over and over. But then there's also the other part where it's like, did you really lose your salvation? Or was there just a moment where you walked away from attending church and the body for a bit, God worked in your life and kind of drew you back into the fold again? Yeah. And of course, the question is going to be, in those situations, what exactly is happening there? Because the fact is, apostasy does exist. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is possible for someone who is right now saying that they are a believer and fully convinced that they are a believer to not in fact be putting putting their faith in Jesus Christ and ultimately thus to be, uh, well, not saved. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I I, I have friends of mine who would have espoused some form of what we're talking about right now and who are presently not walking with the Lord. So the question then is going to be what, what exactly is going on there? And, uh, when it comes to people who would deny the preservation of the saints or the perseverance of the saints, they're going to say that they've ceased to be Christians. They were once Christians, but they have ceased to be. And that's not actually what my position would be. Yeah, I think uh, what, what uh, other people might say is that they, they fell away. And similar to you, Adam, where um, this issue was, was one of the reasons I left my former denomination, uh, among many, um, was that 
people would constantly be going forward. You know, you'd have your rededication Sundays. You'd sign a little card, say, I rededicate my life. I'm like, how many times does the same person keep doing that over and over again? Do we think they fell away every single time and gained it back? Mm-hmm. Like six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. Like how many times does that happen before I realize that either this person um, is saved and just is really struggling and needs our help and or has never been saved to begin with and, and just as much needs our prayers and our, and our counsel. I told you guys a story around, once around the office that uh, growing up, um, when I was about 14 or so, I can remember kind of questioning my faith a bit. And, you know, you kind of go through that period anyways where it's, uh, is this my faith? Is this what I believe? Is this just what my parents you know, brought me to? Um, and I was really struggling with it. And I was having a chat with one of my friends, and they said, now, I, I wouldn't say that this person was Christian, but they said to me, oh, man, all you got to do is curse, right? Just say, you know, just drop the F-bomb once, and you're no longer a Christian. Boom, done. But that actually caused me to think because I was like, is that really all it takes? Right? Is that is that really all there is to it? And then it caused me to get into uh, Scripture more, and I started to think, like, how little do we think of God's grace? Mm. Right? If, that's, if we say there's one thing like that, like, how cheap do you think God's grace is? Is that... You just got to purposely drop the F-bomb, and all of a sudden God's like, oh, snap. Well, and, and there's another problem there, too, because you're not just underestimating the grace of God, you're underestimating the sheer horribleness of sin. Mm-hmm. Like, we, it's easy for us to assume that, you know, we're pretty good if we don't drink, we don't smoke, we don't chew, and we don't date girls who do. But the fact is... Sin is a lot more insidious than that. Our self-righteousness is sin, yeah. and just as damnable as saying a curse word. Yeah, if you, if you could lose your salvation, you would have lost it long ago. Right. Um, That's a great quote. I love it. Like, you know, if you can lose your salvation, you would lose your salvation. Yeah. Like, every day. You, you, you don't keep it by your—you never earned it by your own works. You don't keep it by your own works. I mean, right. it's the other side of the same coin. I mean, uh, John six thirty seven, for example, says— Everyone the Father gives, this is Jesus talking, everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. Right? right? Not, not, not cast out if you don't meet the requirements. I will never cast out, period. Now, of course, there is kind of a passage that we, we're, we're going to need to deal with here, because it's one that uh, I, I, most of the time I'll hear people deal with, and it's Hebrews chapter 6. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's going to say... Um, you know, uh, I'll see where I should start on this. Uh, For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age of, of age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. Yeah, so that that, that has some implications with... You know, if that really means you were a Christian and you fell away and, and God's grace uh, no longer saves you, right? It, it is saying, if that's the interpretation, it is saying that you can never get back again. Right. So once you lose it once, you're done, which doesn't seem to be the practice of most people who believe that you can lose your salvation. Though it's clear that the writer of Hebrews actually does believe that there is something that... You know, There's something there, yeah. There's something mm-hmm. that looks like apostasy. Yep. Um, but the question is going to be, what actually is apostasy? So the writer of Hebrews, we need to think about what's the writer trying to accomplish here and what, what they're saying. 
Um, you know, a lot of people would say Hebrews is a sermon. So if this is a sermon being preached, right. um, you know, what is the goal in saying this? Is it, a, is it telling people, okay, you've lost your salvation, and then, okay, now there's no hope for you? That doesn't seem very sermon-like. Well, and it, in fact, it's not the point, because, mm-hmm. I mean, in, in, in verse 9 it says, though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel uh, sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in, severing, in serving the saints as you do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope to the end. So the, the, the concept of assurance of salvation actually comes from the same passage mm-hmm. that tell, that, that's talking about the problems of uh, apostasy. And I, 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 my view on what I would see in Hebrews 6 is that this is a text telling us that we have to be careful to make sure that we are actually in salvation. Mm-hmm. The, the, the sin is serious. Uh, life is serious, and turning away from Christ really is a serious thing. But it doesn't mean that, you know, he thinks that uh, that there's this uh, possibility of not being, uh, of being unsaved from, by Christ. It seems to me he's just simply saying, take this seriously, brothers and sisters. Yeah, and it's like an affirmation, like, okay, you haven't lost your salvation. Right. Right? You know, to do so, if possible, you would have to basically backtrack over everything yep. and basically re-crucify Christ again. It's, it's an affirmation, like, this isn't so in your case. Right. Like, it, it's basically, you know, uplifting that congregation, edifying them in your preaching and saying, you're still in the one and only Son of God. Right. You're still found in Christ. Right? Because, again, because again Christ will save you. It's not because you are amazing. It's because Christ will not forget the things that you've been doing through him, and Christ will not turn away from the goodness he has done through you. It's not about you. It's about him not being willing to turn away. Mm -hmm. So what other passages, guys, do we have that, you know, speak to um, salvation being like eternal security? That's another name that, you know, it's it's applied to this, Mm -hmm. but to the perseverance and preservation of the saints. What other scriptures do we have that kind of apply to this? So Philippians 1.6 says, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Right, so it it seems to say that he, God, who started a work in you, um, is not just going to give up halfway through. He's going to complete it, meaning he's going to, you know, he saved you and he's sanctifying you in, until the day of Christ Jesus. Right. And it's it's interesting, too, that we focus on who is doing the saving. It, it If the salvation is on my terms, if I create it or if I can lose it, the fact is uh, I'm not faithful. I am not the one who... Uh, created the universe. I am not the one who moves all things by the voice of my power. I am not the one who began uh, who began the good work of salvation before the beginning of time. I'm just a human, and but Christ is all of those things, and He begins good works. He completes good works, and I mean Scripture is the testament to seeing God working through His salvation throughout all of history. So it seems kind of strange that we would imagine that God has worked throughout the entirety of history to be able to save for himself a people, 
And then here at the end, it's totally up to me whether or not I keep it. Yeah, it's not God that causes the moment of salvation, then it's on you as the as the soul, you know, um, the person that does all the sanctification, right? right? God is both the one who saves you and also the one that sanctifies you. Well, he is the one who uh, both uh, wills and does your his good pleasure in yeah. you. Well, I mean, let's go to the, you know one of the biggest texts in the Bible that we we can draw from Romans eight, mm-hmm. right? So Romans eight twenty eight, and I'll read to the end of the passage here, down to uh, thirty nine. So I'm reading from the CSB. If you're following along, <laughs> I feel like I'm preaching. <laughs> but if you happen to have your Bible, yeah, go for it. I mean, we encourage you, like we said before in our scripture, you no know, screw ups. Read your Bible, open your Bible, see if what we're saying is right. Um, and so it starts off, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. It's usually, you know, where people stop as well as it's a good mm-hmm. scripture screw up. But it says, who are called according to his purpose. So Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? So there's one thing. Who can bring an accusation against God's elect when God has chosen to save? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? I mean, that's a lot there. Like, can all these separate us from Christ? As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither life, sorry, that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor death, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it does. It, to be fair, it does. It says, you know, for I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation. But it doesn't say your decision against God. Dude, the biggest thing <laughs> that I've heard was always like, it doesn't say I can't walk out of God's hand. Actually, yeah, it Actually, does. <laughs> yeah, no, and I picked up on that as I was reading it because you no, know, nor any other created thing will be able to separate. Are you a created thing? Yes. Yes. That includes you. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's so ironic because I've, I've heard that verse so many times growing up, and I grew up in a denomination that believes you can lose your salvation. Like, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> like, do you realize what, like... I don't what, think it means what you think it means. It's not necessarily an extensive list. I mean, it is extensive because he it covers everything. anything, in, <laughs> but anything like, created. Like, anything within this universe, spiritual or physical, cannot remove you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Well, and I mean, it, it says it even uh, clearly. I mean, we, we went through the the what's called the golden chain uh, in, an, in an earlier episode, but those whom he predestined, he called. Mm-hmm. Those who did he call? Those he predestined. And who did he justify? Those he called, which were also the ones he predestined. And who did he who did he glorify? Well, the ones he called, justified, and 
Yeah. There is no yeah. loss in the, in the system. No. There are, there, there's no resistor in any of those points. The, the other thing is, like, when, when does it happen? Like, what's the threshold in which God's grace no longer covers you? Like, that's, all, that's never explained. It, it's sort of just arbitrary. Yeah, depending on who you, an- who you talk to, there's a variety of answers you can get. Right. But none of them are consistent. Well, it would be interesting to find a biblical passage that tells us what is actually the threshold mm-hmm. for losing your salvation. Because the fact is, if if there was a threshold there, we would have all met it at some point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The fact, and again, this is what going back to my point about sin, we are actually far more sinful than we 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 choose to admit. We think that we're pretty good because you know, right now I'm not murdering anybody. Yeah. But I. I Right now, I'm actually loving my coffee more than I'm loving Jesus, which is idolatry. Yeah, I'm loving my ice cap. I'm not going to lie. It's a good ice cap. Yeah. And I, I just finished my tea. Good tea? It was a good tea. And to be, to be fair, those are, they are good. They're yeah. good gifts of God. But as Augustine would say, he who loves anything but for the love of God loves God too little. Mm-hmm. So it, unless you are looking through, unless you are looking through the good th- goodness of my coffee and seeing the goodness of God in through the caffeinated goodness that I have in my hand, you're committing a you're, you're committing idolatry. And this idea of the preservation and perseverance of the saints is a beautiful idea. It like is. it's not meant to give us you know, some sort of out or something like you know if you again the most common argument is like well that means you can go out and do whatever you want. Well, Obviously, it's not what we're saying. Well, no, no, technically, yes. Technically. like I, But if you are really saved, mm-hmm. I mean, if you are one of the chosen, one of those who's been you know, justified and is in process of being glorified, what you want to do is give glory to God. Yep. God changes your desires. Right. And which is why this tulip thing all flows together, right? Exactly. It gives God all the glory. All the credit, basically, for saving us and coming up with this plan and going through the process of sending his only son to die. Like, he's the one that initiated it all, even within our own hearts. Absolutely. And then he's the one that preserves us so that we can continue, so that affliction can't separate us. We, right. we, we bear through it. So distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword. All these things, Paul says that, no... We are more than conquerors through him who loved us because we persevere through these things for the glory of the one who has saved us. Amen. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing. This is a beautiful thing to believe in. Right. And of course, this doesn't mean that we don't face difficulty. It doesn't mean that there aren't real situations. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you don't actually have real doubts. I mean, at some point we'd like, we should probably do a podcast on the question of doubt in the Christian faith. Yeah, absolutely. But the fact is doubt and disbelief are actually two different things and you do go through things like mm-hmm. this and so i mean that doesn't mean that you've lost your faith nor you just need to be careful to put the faith where it's supposed to be namely jesus christ yep and i, I know matt uh Leahy has said a few times that there was a moment when after he recently got saved when he was a teenager um that you know he wanted to give up on the christian faith because he was losing friends uh, he was losing, you know, he's being made fun of. There's a lot going on in his life. And he wanted to walk away, but he couldn't. He couldn't walk away from it because he knew it to be true. As much as he wanted to, he just couldn't. And I mean, I think that, I mean, I know it's one person's experience, but that, that is also serves as a testimony to the fact that God was holding him in his hand. Right. Right. He knew the gospel to be true. 
He knew that no matter what was happening, that this was the truth, and he couldn't walk away from the truth. I think I think we pro- probably have all had those similar experiences where we've wanted to walk away, mm-hmm. but we, we just we couldn't because God saved us. I, yeah. I mean, it is eternal salvation is what we what we believe in. E- eternal right. means eternal. It doesn't mean uh, there's a contract that you could break, and like eternal means eternal. Now, of course, I I would like to talk to anybody out there who actually is right now presently not believe not placing their faith in Jesus Christ and who you know may have even believed at one point that they were saved uh, be careful to think that you understand fully what your motivations are I mean the fact is and what the history is going to be in the future the fact is the the story isn't over yet mm-hmm. you God may open your eyes even uh, once more to the gospel of Jesus Christ you may not. You may recognize that what you're dealing with right now is not actually disbelief in God, but anger against God, which is not the same thing. Um, and you know, you can work through that. God can still save you. And there are people who, and this is why we have to actually question what exactly is happening when somebody d- goes through apostasy. Are we watching somebody who was once saved become unsaved? Well, I don't think so. But it could mean that there is that that somebody who is not right truly saved is despairing of their false uh, false conversion. That's one way of thinking about it. Or the other one, you could be just somebody kicking against the goads, somebody who right now just is fighting this. And as we dealt with when it came to the question of uh, irresistible grace, the grace of God isn't irresistible in the sense that you can't actually try to fight against it. The question is whether or not you're going to win if you fight against the grace of God. And the answer is, you're not. You're not God. Um, so ultimately, I, I, I mean, for those of you who are right now going through that uh, kind of thing, you know, don't despair of God's power, but right now, just seek after him. You know, if even if you don't think that he's there, even if you don't think that uh, he can save you, just seek him out a little bit more. You might be surprised. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening and, you know, you're a Christian and you're not sure, you've doubted your salvation, um, you've gone to bed, you know, thinking, like, did I pray for God to forgive all my sins? Like, if he comes back, you know, am I going to heaven to forget to pray for a sin? You know, did I miss something? Because, I mean, that's got okay, to be my Okay, I'm going to actually point this out. You, I, I guarantee you have forgotten some of the sins that you've done. Oh, absolutely. But like, the thing is, your salvation rests in Christ alone. Absolutely. And like, you know, putting all of our theology together, when Christ said it is finished, he meant it is finished. Past, present, future. There's not a sin where Jesus is like, oh man, I missed that one. Yeah. Sorry, man. Like I, I missed that if one. If only you had told me about that one. I mean, I totally would have saved you for that. I would have forgiven you for that, but now you're here in heaven. I didn't cover that one. Uh, sorry, you gotta go to hell again. Hell that's, now. Like that's not a that's not a sufficient saving faith. Right? I mean, it doesn't rest on what we do. Yes, we turn to him in repentance. Yes, you, you, you go to the Son, you, you go to the Father, and you know you, you want to be made more in the Son's image. But you're going to miss things. You're going to mess up, and he knows that. He's entering this relationship out of his own accord, knowing you're going to screw up, knowing when you're going to screw up, knowing how bad you're going to screw up, and still loving you to the very depths of your being and wanting to save you. Amen. That's a beautiful you know, theology and the, like the beautiful, the beauty of our salvation. Um, so yeah, so I hope, I hope you guys appreciate this, um, little series, hoping to do a few more. I mean, you know, trying to be a bit creative in how we do these things, but, uh, if you enjoyed this and you want to hear more on any of these specific topics or anything else we brought up, 
feel free to reach out and let us know. Uh, in the meantime, thank you, Curtis and Steve, for joining us. And if you're listening, we'll catch you again next week. You have been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is a podcast of Mile One Mission. If you'd like to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland, please visit us at www.mileonemission.ca.